Today we're going to continue on in Galatians chapter 2, verses 14 to 21. The last two weeks we spoke about some uh, terminology. We defined the word justified two weeks back. And last week we looked at the word Torah or the law. So let's do a quick recap. The word justified uh, was a legal term and we saw how the word has layers of meaning, including right standing, right family, that fuels our right living. Last week we looked at the law or the Torah. And we saw that the law or Torah is both instruction or commands, but also a narrative. And we saw how Jesus is getting this great human project back on track. In other words, the one family of all nations is happening in and through Jesus' death and resurrection and his launching of new creation in the midst of the old. So today we're going to go back to Galatians 2, verse 14 to 21, and look at the term faith. In verse 14, When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So let's zoom in on verse 16 um, and we'll look at the definition of justified and, and law as we read Galatians 2.16. In Galatians 2 verse 16, know that a person is not justified, in other words, declared in right standing, right family, by the works of the law, Torah, both as narrative and instructions, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified, declared in right standing, right family, by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, Torah, both narrative and instruction, because by the works of the Torah, both narrative and instruction, no one will be justified. In other words, declared in right standing, right family. What is faith? So let's zero in on that word faith and um, look at how it would have been defined in the first century. And so we can learn and apply those lessons to our lives today. So there are actually seven things we can learn about faith. So let's dive in. So first one, Jesus is the culmination of the Torah. Again, if you take the context of Galatians 2, 14 to 21, um, and, and we find that this is really the point that Jesus is indeed the culmination of the Torah narrative. Let's look at Romans 10, because we pick up this even in Romans 10, where Paul writes, Christ is the culmination 
of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So faith is believing that Jesus is indeed the culmination of the Torah. That's one, okay? Two, Jesus is the anointed king. If the king sets us free, we are free indeed. Let's look at John chapter 8 verse 36. Jesus says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In fact, one of the themes in the letter to Galatians is about freedom. And so faith is believing that Jesus is the anointed king and the king sets you free, you're free indeed. Point three, Jesus is our savior. Now let me use an illustration here that might draw this point out more clearly. God forbid that you are in a burning building. And it's like flames all around you and uh, you grab a blanket uh, or something just to kind of protect you from the flames. And you're trying to figure out how to get out uh, of this burning building. It's chaos. It's fire everywhere. It's terrible. And so you're just trying to like hide behind this little blanket. You're trying to just figure out how to escape the flames. And all of a sudden you see a firefighter barge in, grab you and take you out of this burning building. Now, as you're outside, you're recovering, you're recuperating, it's traumatic. A journalist approaches you and, and asks you, how did you escape this, the flames? Who saved you? So who saved you? Now imagine if you answered, well, I think the blanket saved me. How silly would that be, right? The firefighter saved you. And, and we'll get to this illustration a little bit more later in this video. But that's the point, is Jesus is our King and Savior. The author of the Torah, and in effect the author of the whole Bible, really, John 1, 1, John 1, 14, um, is the, he's the Savior. All of this points to Jesus Christ. That's the point. That is faith. Faith is not a religious term. Uh, faith is not a concept. Faith is actually a person, a very specific person. And that person, that person is Jesus Christ. So that's pretty straightforward, right? Faith is Jesus Christ. Faith is believing that He is the Savior. He rescues us from the present evil age and brings us into new creation that's launched in the midst of the present evil age and calls us to be one family of all nations and gives us a mission to proclaim his kingship to the world around us. Now we'll get to that in just a bit. But we have to nuance this word faith because again, we can collapse faith into just some sort of intellectual agreement or some, some religious term. And when we look at the concept, how it emerges from Galatians 2, we see very clearly that faith is actually multifaceted. Faith is, Jesus is the culmination of the Torah. Faith is, Jesus is the anointed king. The king sets us free, you're free indeed. Faith is, Jesus is savior. Let's look at point four. Faithfulness of the Messiah to God's covenant promise. And you're wondering, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, um, for those who know Greek, which I don't, uh, when you look at Galatians 2 verse 16, for example, N.T. Wright's Kingdom New Testament translation, here's how 2.16 is translated. But we know that a person is not declared righteous by works of the Jewish law, 
but through the faithfulness of Jesus, the Messiah. Which is slightly different from, if you're reading NIV, uh, for example, it says, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So notice the subtle difference. And apparently that Greek, in the Greek, you can translate uh, into um, either faith in Jesus Christ or faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So what's the importance of this? Well, the importance is faith is believing that Jesus is faithful to God's promise of rescue. Now, why is that important? It's very important because God is always faithful to his word. Going back to the narrative, God promises Abraham that through him will come a people through whom God will rescue the rest of the world, will bless the nations. Genesis 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. But the people through whom God was going to do this, they themselves are um, behaving like the rest of humanity, rejecting God as king and wanting to go do their own thing. What will God do? Will God bypass the promise? And that's one of the key in fact, key points or, or questions that have been raised in the New Testament itself. Will God bypass the promise that God made to Abraham because of the failure of people to respond to God's calling them to be the people of promise? Will he bypass them completely and go about it a different way? And if he does that, would that mean God is faithful to his word? Does that make sense? Now, you may wonder, like, what, what difference does it make? It doesn't matter. As long as God can save us, who cares? Well, actually, it does matter. If God can be unfaithful to this promise, what else can he be unfaithful to? And so, faith is believing that the Messiah is faithful to God's covenant promise. And therefore, we can trust God's word completely. That's a very important point, right? Now let's get to point number five. This faith leads us to holistic shift, what the Bible calls metanoia and is translated as repentance, the lifestyle of repentance. Are you wondering where do you get that from? Come on, man. Well, that's why we should read everything in context, not just pick verses here and there. Well, let, let's let's look back at the context of Galatians. In Galatians 2 verse 12, look what's happening. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, he being the apostle Peter. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish custom? So that's the background of Galatians 2 verse 14 to 21. And so, so what's happening is, there is this group called the circumcision group that are saying, well, in order to be identified as God's people, sure we can have Gentiles join in, but they need to follow the identity markers of old covenant or old creation. And so in response to that, Paul is writing in verse 16, know that a person is not justified, declared in right standing, right family by the works of the Torah, 
the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So the point is, faith in Jesus Christ produces a radical shift. And that's repentance. That's what the word repentance means. So faith produces this radical shift in every aspect of our uh, lifestyle, of our, of our thought processes, of our passions, of our purpose. And, and this is the key point, it also includes how we treat people now differently in light of faith in Jesus Christ. So hopefully that makes sense. So radical example, but if someone was a racist before they encountered the living Christ and came to faith in Jesus, that he is the culmination of the Torah, that he is the anointed king and he sets us free, we're free indeed, he is the savior, then after is you're not a racist in fact not just are you not a racist it's not just a negative in that oh I'm not that anymore you're actually loving all nations all people you're doing what Jesus did you're laying down your life and you're serving those that before you wouldn't that's the radical shift and it's a lifestyle of repentance if apostle Peter had to repent who lived and, and walked with Jesus, how much more do we? Does that all make sense? So that's a very important point. Now, let's continue on. Point six. This faith leads to baptized lifestyle. Galatians 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at how similar that sounds to Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 8. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, the Bible reads, Or oh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we also live with Him. You see that parallel, Galatians 2.20. So faith in King Jesus results in the baptized lifestyle. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And then point seven, this faith leads to living as one family of all nations. And this is actually very important. And this is really the, one of the key points of this letter to the churches in Galatia. You can't say you have faith in King Jesus and that incorporates all aspects of faith, you know, from him being the, Jesus being the culmination of the Torah, the law, to uh, him being anointed king. Um, and he sets us free. We're free indeed. He's a savior. And we repent. We have a shift. We turn 180 degrees uh, away from our old life. And we live this baptized life. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And now I'm added into God's family, one family of all nations. That's what happens when we submit to King Jesus. So now let's look at Galatians 3 verse 26. Uh, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Notice that. 
all. You all. All. Children of God to faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's the result of faith in King Jesus. So as we wrap up here, let's go back to Galatians 2, verse 17 and 18. But if in seeking to be justified, declared in right standing, right family in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. So what's this about? Well, when you go back to the narrative of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah did indeed quarantine Israel from the rest of the world. Now, this wasn't intended to create exclusivity for the sake of exclusivity. This actually was created in order to quarantine Israel so that they can be instruments of God's blessing to the nations. And you'll see that when you read through, for example, Leviticus, uh, how God wanted His people to be uh, set apart we use the word holy from the surrounding nations to show what it looks like to be God's people where God tabernacles with his people and his people live out this tabernacling reality of being with God so that, that was one of the purposes of the Torah again because God is so amazing he can take two concepts that seem to be diverging and sort of bring it all back together so there was a quarantining aspect to the Torah, and yet the Torah itself was meant to bring all the nations together through Israel. And that eventually, obviously, happens in and through Jesus Christ, the culmination of the Torah. So this is Paul's argument with the circumcision group. He's saying to them, look, in the Torah, yes, the Torah was quarantining you from the world. So if you did participate in table fellowship with the world, you would be seen as unclean and a sinner. But because of what Jesus has done, so this wall that the Torah puts around Israel has come down so that all nations can now come be participants in God's family. Now, if you rebuild the Torah... If you put this wall up again, here's the problem. You could never really keep the Torah. In fact, as we saw last week, the Torah itself has built-in um, provision for the people of God who, who are going to fail to keep the Torah. And you, can read Leviticus about, uh, and you can read in Leviticus about that as well. And it's a great book to read uh, if, you, um, if you want to. Uh, but again, it, it, the Torah itself says, look, you're not going to keep this. So here's some provision for you. And so Paul's saying, look, God has done this through Jesus Christ to bring down this wall so we can have one family of all nations. But if you insist that you want to build this wall back up, you're going to be a lawbreaker because we couldn't keep the Torah in the first place. Not because the Torah is inherently bad. As we looked at it last time, thou shall not kill or murder should not be this revolutionary concept, right? We should just all not kill each other. But because of human sinfulness, we can keep the Torah. And so Jesus does for us what both Israel and 
Western humanity cannot do. And therefore, accept that. And don't go build this wall up again so you become a lawbreaker. Now, going back to the illustration of the burning fire, um, and you, you, you're, you put this blanket around, you're trying to, trying to just make sure you don't get consumed by the fire, and the firefighter comes, grabs you, and, uh, and rescues you. Now, building up the wall, in effect, would be you going back into the fire, grabbing that blanket, putting it around you, and sitting in the fire. What's going to happen to you? You're going to die, right? That's, you're going to burn up. And so the Torah had a purpose, but now Jesus has fulfilled that purpose in a surprising way. But he has done it. And now we can be one family of all nations. And faith leads to repentance, results in repentance. There is a before and after, a drastic before and after, but it's also repentant lifestyle constantly repenting because of what Jesus has done in launching new creation in the midst of the old. We now live the baptized life because of what Jesus has done, where we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And now we are participants in one family of all nations, proclaiming to the world that this is what God has done in and through Jesus Christ, because God is faithful to His covenant promise. So hopefully this has been helpful in, in realizing that faith is actually a faith lifestyle. And, and it's really an amazing invitation God gives us to come be part of His family, to be part of His forgiven family. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, if you want to know more about faith, or if you're looking at your life and you're wondering, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in knowing Jesus. I'd love to uh, connect with you um, and uh, help you connect with Jesus. Thank you and God bless you.